Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean, the weekend edition. First with yesterday's news, I and Glenn ZFB, we're looking back at Sunday and Saturday. It's the weekend in reverse, or something. Um, I, I don't know if you've heard, but the All Blacks uh, lost a game of rugby to Ireland, so it's the end of the world. Uh, the 501s, we've got that all sorted. The gang issue, um, Australia exporting the gangs to us. I think we've, we've fixed that. And half a pin. Didn't say that very clearly. I swear I haven't been drinking. It is 4:45 a.m. Monday morning. I swear I haven't been drinking. Harper Finn uh, as his debut uh, EP on the way. Uh, so he'll talk to Jack about that at the beginning of the podcast. Sorry, at the end of the podcast. Haven't been drinking. The beginning of the podcast. Jack Tame will be talking as well. He's talking about a turbulent time for world leaders. People like Boris Johnson and. Shinzo Abe, of course. Uh, I and Jacinda Ardern. Perhaps not quite as turbulent for her, or is it? But the change in government across the Tasman, Jacinda Ardern has managed to soften the impact of the 501s policy about as much as is politically possible in Australia right now. And I say well done for that. Three leaders, three countries, one week. Shinzo Abe. What to say? I... Th- I just lay in bed last night, uh, tossing and turning and and thinking about it, and I, I just I felt stunned. I mean, it is just awful. It is truly shocking. We're fortunate to live in an age in a world where political assassinations are relatively rare, especially in big developed economies, and. Shinzo Abe was a mighty figure in Japanese politics, but also in global leadership. You know, these moments, I don't know, there's something about them, eh? They're, they are just, they are deeply, noticeably unsettling. And I know that, you know, at the moment we don't know a lot about the assassin's motivations. I just hope that for Japan's sake, the country is able to find a sense of stability and strength in a unified response to what is clearly a terrible event. Um, of course, uh, another country that's in shock is us, because Ireland beat us at rugby. Uh, they've beaten us at rugby f- uh, before, of course, but um, not here. And now they've done it here. Uh, and, yeah, Jason Pine seems to think that they were just better than us. So, hang on, did we not lose? Did they win? Surely not. And because Savia had been the man who went off when Ta'avo was sent off, he was then deemed to be the one who had to stay off when Ta'ungafasi came back on. So Ali Savia's game is done after 35 minutes. It's a completely bizarre set of circumstances and one which caught the All Blacks on the hop. It is, as they say in the modern rugby vocab, a good learning. But none of that can mask the fact the All Blacks were outplayed, outmuscled and probably outcoached. The Irish learned their lessons from last week, made sure they were better as a result. The All Blacks offered very little on attack and were met all day with stern Irish defence. Their two tries were from a touch of fortune for Bowden Barrett and the late one from Will Jordan when the game was gone. Ireland were better in almost every single part of that game. And so we go to Wellington and the biggest test match in Ian Foster's tenure as All Blacks head coach without a shadow of a doubt. Defeat would be unthinkable. You might almost say untenable. 
because not only will it mean a series loss on home soil to a team who had never won a test match here until last night, but it would also be a fifth defeat in nine test matches just over a year out from a Rugby World Cup. Now, I didn't see any of the... Of the well, actually, I saw a little... But the only bit I saw of this game was uh, sitting in uh, Christchurch Airport yesterday. Uh, it was on a TV behind me. So I literally saw a grand total of about 12 seconds of it. I saw, and I didn't, and it was quite a small television too. So I saw that there was rugby on, that rugby had happened, but I wasn't really able to glean anything other than the fact that we lost by quite a considerable margin. I saw that bit. But I've got no idea what happened. Uh, but it sound, sounds like to me from what Jason was saying there that um, something didn't go according to plan and then we weren't able to adjust our plan, which to me sounds like what's happened in every game of rugby that the All Blacks have ever lost. Um, uh, moving on, moving on. Uh, the 501s, the gang issue, the, the Australia exporting the gang problem to us, uh, has Jacinda Ardern gone over there and fixed it? Let's find out. So is this the news that you're hoping for? Well, it's brought about a bit of hope. It's, again, though, another deadline where we're given a future date when no change has actually been happened at the moment. Um, I think the most exciting part about what's been said is the possibility that New Zealanders will be recognised as residents and have the dignity to vote. That can bring around immediate change. So with the, the, the approach to the 501s changing to a common sense approach, mm-hmm. what is common, I, I'm always a bit wary of when somebody says common sense because one person's common sense is another person's stupidity. What's, what's your version of a common sense approach to the 501s? Well, I actually agree with you, and I think that we should all own our own common sense to recognise that no legislation has been changed, no rules have been altered. What we're asked now to do is accept the fact that someone who's sitting at the desk at the day decides that they might have a common sense approach to how they're going to implement this. Oh dear, we've got somebody talking about common sense. Oh no. I think we've all agreed that common sense doesn't live here anymore, so that won't happen. Uh, David Seymour, on the other hand, thinks that we can solve the game problem by um, taxing them differently. Is that what he's suggesting? I'm sure that's going to work. Uh, might have to explain it a bit. I, I mean, I'm sure it's going to work. I just don't fully understand yet. But you go, David. Explain it. Talk me through this policy. You want the IRD to investigate gangs? Yeah, that's right. And specifically, uh, this government has put the IRD onto about 400 people uh, they believe are New Zealand's wealthiest business people. Uh, They have given the IRD the power to write to them and request every bit of financial information they have. What do they own? How do they own it? Where did they get it from? Is it being held um, in trust for their family? Uh, A total do-over and a a request to justify the wealth that they've got. Now, I think that is totally unreasonable. I think it's driven by envy. But since the Labour Party has created this tool, uh, ACT is proposing we should take it off people who are well-known business people. The Labour Party actually got this list of people from the NBR rich list, would you believe, Mm. Um, and put it onto New Zealand's most prominent gangsters. 
because the IRD has legal powers that even the police and other government departments don't have. How awesome, if, you're, if you work at the IRD, is it for you to hear Seymour suggesting that you go and investigate the gangs? Um, I mean, I'm assuming he's not suggesting that you actually go and knock on the door and say, oh, excuse me, um, I think we've got a slight tax anomaly here, Mr. Gang Guy. I guess you're just going to, what are you going to do? Give them a ring and ask them to call you back when they get this message? And I'm sure they're going to. Again, not like I say, I'm sure it's a great policy. I just don't fully understand how it's going to work. What I have more understanding of is uh, how cool Harper Finn is. Uh, he's got an EP coming out. A lot of hype behind this. It seems to be a long time coming, this EP. Anyway, here he is. Are you in a position yet where you can distill New York's magic? Is it is it being surrounded by creatives? Is it being in a diversity? Is it being in a in a high density space? What what do you think are the elements that make it such a creative space? I for think you? all all of those things for sure. I mean, I I often say that New York's the kind of city where, at least the short time I've been here, it just feels like you'll never get to the bottom of it. And there's yeah. something about never like always. Even with you know, New Yorkers I know here and have been here for 20 years, they're always, you know, when you go out with them or you go to places, it's not like they've gone, oh, I've been there 50 times. Or, you know, like it's always, everyone, there's always a lot of that kind of new, fresh experience. There's always something new and exciting or something that no one's ever done before. So I think, you know, as, as someone who, who came from New Zealand, which is obviously a much smaller country, it, it just feels like it's an endless journey or adventure, really. And um, I think, again, I love traveling. I love talking to people from all different parts of the world. And you can have that experience without having to leave the city. You know, it's like you're traveling the world, but, you know, you get on the train five minutes up into Manhattan, you can go through, you know, so many different cultures and languages and accents. It just feels like a melting pot of the whole world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good job. Yeah. yeah. I've got to ask you about the title of this EP, Newcomer. Yes. Because when I first heard it and I was like, Harbison's yeah. a newcomer. I was like, well, there are two ways to interpret yeah. that. Yes. Yes, yeah. I guess Harvard yeah. is a newcomer. <laughs> yeah. But also, yeah. like, it feels like destiny. You know, it feels like fate. Yeah. And so, the, you know, sure. and, yeah. and, and I suppose in a yeah. sense, you're just like, well, come on, you can't call yourself a newcomer if it's written in the stars. Yeah, yeah. But, but tell, me, t- t- tell, me, tell me about that name. Well, I mean, for me, newcomer was sort of what I was writing about on the EP, the sort of the themes, was very much that kind of coming of age and, and, and moving in, or having experiences for the first time falling in love for the first time, having your heart broken for the first time, you know, dancing in front of a crowd. I guess for me, it just sort of, the EP was really a document of me moving into that space of becoming a solo musician. Because, you know, I come from, obviously come from a very musical background, but I'd never really done a lot. I was never someone who was, you know, a solo songwriter for my whole life. I was always in bands, performing with other people. So the EP and and definitely the title was kind of just me, uh, yeah, moving from sort of the, you know, the unknown, shy, teenager into someone that's probably a bit more confident now and can get out there and really represent my myself and my own music and so yeah the newcomer thing is it's definitely more in that sense of just uh i mean i, I often make the analogy of it's like you know when you go you, you move to a new school and you know everyone there is quite established and you've got to figure out how you can move into that scene or that community and and, and, you know, and how you choose to reveal yourself and at what pace and on what, what sides that you choose to reveal yourself. So, you know, a lot of that was wrapped up in the title. Well, there you go. That's how we revealed Harper Finn and a few other things. Um, I'll be back to reveal myself to you again tomorrow. That came out wrong. Um, but I will see you then. You won't see me. Don't worry. It'll be fine. <laughs>